This is episode 37 with Don Wetrick. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Don Wetrick is an innovation specialist at an American high school just outside Indianapolis in the state of Indiana. He's the author of the book called Pure Genius, Building a Culture of Innovation and Taking 20% Time to the Next Level. Wetrick has worked as a middle school and high school teacher, educational and innovation consultant and educational speaker. Don is passionate about helping students find their educational opportunities and providing them with the digital tools they need to give them a competitive edge. Before we dive into this very interesting chat with Don, I'm going to acknowledge another loyal listener who I'm so grateful for that has written an iTunes review. Actually, I'm going to do two quick ones today because I'm feeling an overwhelming amount of gratitude for you guys who have taken the time to do this. The first one is from A. Burton 8, who says, this podcast has been refreshing and exhilarating to listen to. The energy and excitement that Robbo speaks, along with the powerful experiences that his guests have shared, has inspired me to want to achieve more. Thanks, A. Burton 8. That's awesome. And you're a legend for taking the time and effort to write and review. And I know those guests you're referring to would be saying thanks also. Now, this one is from Stuff Bob Loves, and they say, love these podcasts. I learn a lot, and it's great to see how positive the interviews are. Keep up the great work, Robbo. (laughs) Well, Stuff Bob Loves, I'm so grateful that uh, some of the stuff that you love is this podcast and the impactful guests we have on. Thanks, legend. Greatly appreciated. Now let's enjoy this passionate chat with Don Wetrick and make sure you stick around for the outro and find out how you can get involved in this topic in an impactful way. So Don, what is the Started Up Innovation class? It's a combination of a couple of things. We have a class that's officially called Innovation and Open Source Learning and I'm trying to get this class into every high school I can anywhere and that is my business which is called Start Ed Up which is, you know, basically it's an educational consulting and needs. We do a lot of work with high schools, middle schools, and and then ironically enough, a lot of work with elementary because for students to get this long term, it's better if we start it in second and third grade. But we've we've found that if you start it in high school, it's a it's a bit of a, a journey. It's kind of a struggle because a lot of high school kids have been taught to do school and they have not been taught to think for themselves. So there's a long answer to what Startup Up is, but that's basically what it is. <laughs> and we're going to dive into it quite deeply today. But So essentially, you're a teacher at a high school in America, and you've created a class that you have every day that students can take alongside their other classes and their other curriculum. But for your class, there's no sort of set curriculum, no textbooks, no tests, et cetera. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. It's It's 
one of those things that they kind of bring the value to it. And we try to do what is among the hardest things to do anywhere, and that is to do the things that you say that you're going to do. So our students identify things that they want to learn, things that they want to accomplish. We go out in a way where we try to, you know, set smart goals and get them to do Again, like the things they said they want to do. And you mentioned there before that they're high school age students and you're trying to get it into younger ages. What age do you actually believe that this style of teaching should be introduced? You know, it's it's statistically they show that uh, students stop liking school at age, well, basically third grade. And that's here in the United States. That's kind of, I don't think that's a coincidence. It's when we start high stakes testing and kids where they like it the most is kindergarten. Or if you talk to some people that go the Montessori route, they'll tell you that Montessori education is amazing. And that is because it's deep embodiment. You learn by doing. There's not necessarily memorization as much as there is discovery. So I'd say the optimal age is kindergarten, first and second grade. They're already curious. They don't know what the rules are of school. They don't know how to act like a quote unquote student. And they're unbridled in a lot of ways. And, and I think that's what makes them both a fast learner, but it also makes them, you know, it sparks their curiosity to push them to more. As opposed to by the time they get into third, fourth, fifth grade, sit down, shut up and listen to me and tell me exactly what I want to say. Take no risks whatsoever. They learn that behavior over time. So I think the sooner we can get to them where they where they know that that's not how you should act in school anymore, the sooner the better. Brilliant. And Don, you're a very passionate leader in this space and we'll dive deeper into how you're disrupting the education system. But before we do, I want to say welcome to your life of impact. Thank you. I, uh, I'm <laughs> trying to make an impact. It's been frustrating though. <laughs> well, we've known each other for a few months now and we were connected through an online podcasting community that we're both members in. And I remember our uh, first chat that we had because we'd been sort of sending messages back and forth to each other. And then you called me and I was in Switzerland. I was in the bathroom having a shave, actually. And I thought, I've never actually spoken to Don before, but I'll answer it anyway. Here I am with my shirt off having a shave in the bathroom. And you're like, hey, man, what are you doing? (laughs) But before, yeah, yeah, sorry, I probably shocked you a little bit there. No, no, no. Matter of fact, it's one of those things that, that that's kind of me in a nutshell. I mean, like when people say that they want to connect, I want to connect. I, I even, you know, have a, a thing about it where people say, you know, when people go to wedding receptions, they always say, oh, we should get together sometime or we should go out for a drink or we should go out and play some golf. And that normally means it'll never happen. So when I find people that are doing stuff, when I say, hey, we should connect, man, I mean, we should connect. So I loved it that you answered right away. And uh, yeah, we've, we've hit it off ever since. That's right. And before that, I'd actually heard you on a podcast talking about your class and your mission to build this movement bigger and stronger and globally. And I've been listening to your own podcast since then and absolutely loving what you're doing. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we've got an unusual podcast in the sense that in a way it's about education, but at least for the first year, I launched January 1, but in that first year, I, I didn't have any educators on the show just because I felt like a lot of teachers didn't know who basically entrepreneurs, innovators, people that I thought were really big names, educators had never heard of before. They didn't know who Tim Ferriss was. They'd never heard of Peter Diamandes. They didn't know who Naveen Jane was. And I, I mean, these are kind of my heroes. So yeah, we built a podcast around it. And 
You've also now branched into the YouTube videos for your daily vlogs, and I've watched quite a few of them. But in in the very first one, you say, make no mistake, we're going to be achieving at a high level. So what are you doing as the teacher to ensure this? I mean, in some ways, I'm a mirror to their face, right? I mean, you're you're in the fitness world. How many people say on January 1st, I'm going to get in shape? Like, like the hardest things to do in the world are the things that you say you're going to do. You have to have an accountability partner. And I think that this class is kind of that accountability partner. So when some of our students that are felt like, hey, there is a need for this, like our mantra in this class are opportunities are everywhere. So we listen to people complain. We listen to pain points. And then when we say, hey, I'm going to build an app that does so-and-so, okay, fine. What is step one? You know, just like the person that says, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. How are you going to do that? Do you, are you going to journal that? Who's going to work out with you? What is your plan? What is your diet? Are you going to write down your diet, et cetera, et cetera? So half the battle is just, you know, setting smart goals, achievable goals, having benchmarks and reflecting like our, we're big on reflecting every two weeks. So aside from that, you know, and that's also one of the reasons why we call this class innovation and open source learning. There are some things that my students are working on that I have no idea how to help them except hold them accountable and find people that know what they're doing. Like some students says, I, I want to build an AI bot. Okay. I don't know how to do that, but I've got a big network and I can put out the word and see if I can find somebody to help you. That's what I've seen you do really well, actually. And that's what I was thinking when you talked about your podcast and how that's grown and you've had some big names on there. But I've seen that you bring those big names into that classroom space. So like your Gary Vaynerchuk's and your uh, what you learn from him and you bring back, but you've actually had guests themselves come into their class and discuss yeah. entrepreneurship and different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, the first, well, the whole reason the podcast got started is because we had a, almost like a two hour session with Tim Ferriss. And like a lot of the students were just enthralled the fact that we were starting to get, you know, feedback from really interesting people. And then one of my students even was like, you know, you should record these. And then I was thinking, boy, if I, and I actually, I did, I recorded the session with Tim and I was like, you know, I should be putting these out online. If, if, if people want to give their opinions on innovation and entrepreneurship and other things, uh, accountability, like Jocko Wilnick called the class and that was amazing. You know, I might as well put it on the air too. So that was kind of that whole, let's make a podcast out of it came actually second to the thought of my, you know, my students should get to meet Tim. That is phenomenal. I wish I knew about people like Jolo, jo, Jocko Willink and Tim Ferriss when I was that age. And I think a good part of what you said before about building the accountability group and also that that environment, as we know, for any person to learn, grow and develop, environment is vitally important. And I spoke to you earlier this week and when I called you, you answered your phone in class and you were walking around with me on video and passing the phone around. I met a lot of your your students and at the time they were actually working on an assignment which I believe was to connect with non-profit organizations and come up with creative ways that they can help these organizations deeper than their impact, right? Yeah. So there's only two assignments I give th- per year that they have to do. I mean, the class is built. Well, I should, I'll back up. The first six to seven weeks is an innovation course and the rest of the year is it's open source learning. So they work on the projects that they're driven to do. But twice a year, I have them do things 
things that I want them to do. And so in semester one, right around Christmas time, we help out nonprofits. And the second semester, I go, I say, you know, go out and find a struggling business in our area and go help them. Because I, I think that we understand innovation and user experience so much that a lot of times the students don't know what kind of value they can bring until they get out of the classroom. Last year, we helped businesses and they were helping, like actually driving up sales revenue for a lot of them. And when you called, two of the students you talked to were kind of in the fitness area anyway. And that's where I'm like, hey, when of course, one is my daughter and she's already a fan of yours. So <laughs> she wanted to say hello. Yeah. And then uh, I spoke to a few of the other students, like you said, one of the guys about in the fitness area. And I just thought this was brilliant when you told me what the assignment was and you showed me the guys just working on it and some were over at a whiteboard, some were writing on big pieces of paper. It was just like a free-flowing class all around this uh, this area around the non-for-profits. And I just thought, this is brilliant. And I wish I was exposed to and taught about the world in that way when I was that young. Like I'm an ambassador for a mental health non-for-profit and it wasn't until I started working with them a couple of years ago that I really actually learned in depth about how these sectors operate. And I actually had a negative connotation attached to them because I'd heard people talk about money not being funneled to the right areas and things like that. But actually, I had the founder and the creator of that nonprofit on this podcast on episode 19, and he educated all the listeners on this from a CEO perspective, which was brilliant. But anyway, back to your class. One of the students I spoke to was Luke, and what he told me just got me so pumped and exhilarated and energized, and that was that he's moving to Ghana in five weeks to build a school and help provide education to some communities that can't receive the education because they live too far away from the nearest school. And I said, man, that is awesome. What a legend. But as you know, you were there when I asked him this. I said, why is that important to you, Luke? And and he talked about education and entrepreneurship and how that can change the world. And he believes these communities need that more than anything else. And then I asked yep. him, how he even thought of doing something like this. And he said through what he'd learned in your innovation class, and he said your class has created a massive mindset shift in what he looks, in how he views his life and, and all about how he can he now sees that he can make a living and make an impact at the same time. And I just, I, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, but that just pumps me up. I'm super freaking excited to hear things like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he said all those things because it sounds like I was paying him to say it. But <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, like these are the things that go on in my classroom because we give them an opportunity to. But to Luke's credit, the first several weeks of the, of the class is just getting them to understand the mindset shift. You know, we, we live in a society, especially here in the States, and I'm not one of those, you know, bash my own country kind of things, but like we have a entitlement victimization mindset and it's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's fault. And our Jocko Wilnick kind of mindset is, is it's your fault. And if you want to complain about it, you should do something about it. And from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like if people are complaining about something, that's a pocket of gold you might as well make something of it. So my students then, when they're armed like that, it's been kind of enlightening to them because all of a sudden they see the world as opportunities, not a set of grievances to complain about. 
So I, I really like that he said that. And and yeah, I, I also like walking around with the camera. You, you mentioned to it earlier, I, we've got a Facebook page where and a YouTube page, but the Facebook page is a lot more successful. But the Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash start ed up. And yeah, we, we do daily videos because I want people to see what can go on in a, in a common classroom if you open up the doors of innovation. Now, you mentioned and I mentioned mindset shift and what I'm truly intrigued to learn about from you, Don, is how you see these innovation classes developing the students as humans and not just as students because what I've learned in later life is that emotional intelligence or EQ is way more powerful and in a sense more important than IQ and that when we can learn and understand about human behavior this is I believe this is the golden nugget education for all of us especially if we can learn it at a young age it is and I think that that's also why I have such a hard time because our and I've got a wonderful set of parents here. You know, all, a lot of the parents are very supportive, but it's an education piece to other teachers and other parents because, you know, a lot of the schools are like, hey, if they study really hard and get a good score on the SAT, they can get into that college. Well, here's the joke that we're playing on some of these kids. A great college now doesn't mean much. Like a lot of kids are graduating with great degrees, but they can't do, they don't have skills. They've memorized things short term, but that doesn't mean anything anymore, like at all. And so if they want to make an impact, they have to begin to learn to think for themselves. And some of the greatest breakthroughs we've had is like what you talked about, a person with a high EQ, a person that can see empathy and find solutions, a person that can look at something and understand a pattern recognition and seeing where things are going those kids are, I shouldn't say kids, those people are, are setting it on fire. But that's all because they usually have an atmosphere and an environment to where they can have these discussions. They can build off one another. They can all of a sudden hear somebody else talk about, you know, blockchain, and then they can look into Bitcoin. You know, I had a student that bought some Bitcoin as an eighth grader, and he just sold 80% of it. He's 18 years old, and he just cashed in at 120000 U.S. dollars. Why? Brilliant. Because he wants to, yeah, why? Because he wants to be at the forefront. He wants to be on the cutting edge of things. And so he's updating himself. He's educating himself. He's listening to podcasts. He's doing things because he wants to be not reactionary, but visionary. And when you have a class like this, you develop your students to have this mindset. But it's hard to also explain to people that are the traditional route. Like my son's going to memorize and he's going to be a heart surgeon and that's it. So he has to get a perfect score. There's no time to dilly-dally around and there's no time to invent things and there's no time to be entrepreneurial when all he needs to be is a cardiac surgeon. It's tough to explain to them that the world's changing and it's not that way anymore. And if they don't buy in, and then you seem like a lunatic when you're, you're telling people that the sky is falling, which by the way it is. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, uh, seriously, uh, you know, automation, AI, machine learning, Internet of Things, these are things that are going to be massively taking away jobs in the next five years, massively. And yet we're not talking about it. Um, like one of the biggest job industries in the United States is transportation. OK, everybody that has seen what Tesla has been doing and what really Uber has been doing is they're buying up driverless technology. If you're if you're a transport if you're a truck driver, you're out of a job within about five to seven years. 
conservatively. And, 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 and if people have been to the grocery store recently, not all jobs are gone, but most of them are. You know, they used to have 30 checkout lanes at my local grocery store. Now, one person oversees 15 because they're all automated. And, and, if, and if it's my job to prepare kids for the future, the future is a lot of these jobs that can be done and they're already automated, they will be automated and not by people faster than we know. So I want to create this kind of culture, this kind of environment in every school possible to prepare kids for the coming future. I think that's really good. Like what we should expose the listeners to is also that there are some jobs where you do need the very structured education system. You do need that university or that college degree, and that's the way that you know you need that for those jobs. But also on top of that, the way that a lot of those uh, educated people are coming out now, they're needing to have more than that to be able to actually filter into the system and and get the jobs that they thought would be easy to get just from having the uni degree. And then if we look at it in another perspective, I've heard you talk a lot about the freelancer world and how the structured education systems at school and at universities are not actually preparing students for this world, which is an evolving yeah. reality. Yeah, we're doing the opposite. So instead of telling kids to start looking for their own opportunities, to double down on what they're good at, to be able to produce work that involves a, a, an audience of more than just your teacher, like we're, we're doing the exact opposite. Do exactly what just one teacher says. Go on just this once narrow path of, of our curriculum and work for one opinion, one right answer when the world is switching to freelance. And, and again, this isn't me pontificating. This is like every study and all the numbers are coming out. Freelance is the way. And, and it may, it, for good or bad, I mean, it's taking all opinions aside. It's just It just is. It's like saying like, well, driverless technology is going to be bad. It just is. It's going to be a thing. And so, yeah, if it's my job to prepare kids to be a freelance, and this is my, one of my big points, like 95% of people I know are consumers. I want people to be producers as well. And, and even my own daughter, I mean, well, I've got three kids, but my oldest daughter, a long time ago, she's like, Daddy, can you buy me a laptop? And I said, why? She says, well, there's some channels I like on YouTube, and I don't want to subscribe on them on your laptop. And, I just, and I'm like, and they were Littlest Pet Shop videos, right? They, these, these little girls that make these dramas with Littlest Pet Shop characters. And I said, Ava, when you create your own YouTube channel, I'll buy you a laptop. And she says, why? And I said, because you're not just going to watch things. You're going to create things. And, and, and I want that to be a thing right now. Because when we pursue and we push our kids to create, they're setting themselves up to be noticed. And, and sometimes, you know, kids like, I want to be a YouTube all-star. And they post one video and they get five views. And then they give up. Like, I just want, like, heck, my own podcast. You know, the first month, it wasn't that successful but I kept putting out content. So when, when we ask our kids to be producers, we're automatically setting them aside from 95% of all high schoolers that I know. And, uh, and I want to keep encouraging that. And heck, anybody listening to your podcast, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we connected. You're a producer and I like producers, but everybody listening to this podcast should be thinking, could I do my own podcast? And the answer is yes. And, and, and of course, what is it you're passionate about? 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm doing a podcast of what I'm passionate about. You're clearly doing that. Other people that I listen to, you know, like I like Gary V. You know, Gary's got his own thing, what he's passionate about. I like Tem. Tem's got his own thing. So producers are winning and consumers, life is going by and uh, they're not setting themselves up for success. Now, I couldn't agree more, but like you mentioned before, you have those challenges with the the parents. Some of them are on board, but some of them just don't understand how the world is evolving. What you were talking about there with the reality of evolution, it's you can compare that to social media where it just came out firing with Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everyone complaining about all kids do is spend time on social media. And like Gary V, the man says, look, it's evolution. You can fight it all you want, but it's not going anywhere. It's just going to fight you back even stronger. So just take it on board, accept that it's there and utilize it to its best. Now with these challenges with the parents, I could only imagine, but how is it for you at a school and you have teachers that you're no doubt friends with, you've come from the structured education system. How is it with the other teachers, uh, not just in your school, but around the country and around the globe? What's the feedback like there? Depends on the teacher. Like I'm not making friends everywhere I go, that's for sure. Well, actually, l- let me go back to your previous statement in the sense that social media and some of these things are coming are inevitable. Well, you might as well prepare them. People say, well, social media is dangerous. Well, so is driving a car. So we train our students to drive a freaking car. We don't just say, oh, my God, kids have died in traffic accidents, which they have. We train them to use them responsibly. And so the same thing, what I'm trying to do is, yeah, within the education circles, I'm sure that I'm not liked by a few. I don't care. Like, I I don't care. Because I know where things are going. This sounds so incredibly arrogant. And I even hear myself saying these things out loud. I'm like, oh, gosh, why am I saying this? But like... And because they're not my opinions, these things that, that that are starting to creep up on us are fact. And so, you know, I've, I've gone to some places and I've, and I've asked people, I'm like, why do you teach what you teach? And if their only answer is because it's on the test or because it's SAT prep, then I'm saying, well, you need to make it relevant. And there's some fantastic teachers out there. And by the way, let me also take a step back. My innovation class is not the be-all, end-all. It's an enhancer. You cannot be innovative if you don't know how to read. You cannot be innovative if you don't know how to do basic math. You cannot be innovative unless you understand people and like what history has done and how not to repeat it. So traditional curriculum is still fantastic, but we have to have some time set aside for innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship. So when I, when I explain it that way, I get some teachers to go, oh, okay. Because sometimes the misconception is my class is it. And that is it. There's no room for anything else. And that is not what I'm saying. But I am saying it is important. And it has to be a class in every high school, or at least an elective. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What do you believe would be the optimal model? So if I said, Don, here's the school, we're going to have structured classes and however you want to set it up, what do you think would be the best model for for the innovation to be in there? I I think, again, uh, so at the elementary school level, I think that by giving them 20 to 30 minutes a week is probably going to be enough. To you're signaling that what they want, if they're curious about something and they want to learn something that's not in the traditional curriculum, that school is a place where you learn and it's a place where you can learn things, even things you want, you know, not the things you have to. And then at the middle school level, I think that a lot of middle schools are teamed and the teacher can share this time once a week. 
uh, or at least once a month. Uh, and they can share it as a responsibility throughout the team. But then at the high school, this is where, you know, some kids go one way or the other. If you don't, if you want to do the traditional route, I think you have every right to. That is why as an elective, I think that students should sign up for this, that they want to do this because they are called to do it, that they are naturally innovators. They are naturally entrepreneurs. And traditionally, those are kids that aren't doing that well in school anyway. So they're like, hey, I want to learn this because it's not you know, normally added or, you know, they want to take some risks. And if you open it up to them as an elective, I think that those first generation kids that go through are normally your rule breakers. And then once they show that this is an interactive, fun class, then the kids that are on the sidelines or the kids that have a great GPA might go, hey, I want to dip my foot into the pool as well. I've got a lot of mates that are teachers in Australia. I've got a lot of people in my community that listen to this podcast that are teachers. And like you said, you you don't diss teachers. You don't have disrespect for them. It's more around the structured education system that needs to be moulded that was set a long, long time ago for a future that actually doesn't exist anymore. So that's the scary part of it. But what what's your message to teachers specifically around uh, if some of them might be teaching those curriculums and just thinking, wow, I really love what Don's doing and I wish I could do that because that might help me yeah. keep the passion for my longer term teaching career. Well, I, I'm, I guess short term. So if you're teaching something traditional, you don't have to go by tradition every time. Matter of fact, my favorite quote, uh, it's in my book. My dad was an educator. My sister was an educator. They never badmouthed it. And I, I used to work for a think tank in Indianapolis before I was a teacher. And so my mom and dad spent all their, you know, they paid for my college education, but I told them I was going to go back to school and be a teacher like three years into my career. So still a young guy. And my dad said, you know, son, I don't care if you teach for the next 20 years. Just promise me you won't teach one year 20 times. Mm, and that has stood out to me ever since because the te- just because you've taught algebra for 20 years doesn't mean you have to do it the same way. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to use, this isn't my quote, this is Seth Godin um, in Lynchpen. He said, education can be boiled down to two things. School could be boiled down to two things, solving interesting problems and leadership. So can you solve interesting problems in algebra other than just math formulas? Yep. Can you solve interesting problems in social studies? Are you kidding me? Yes. Can you solve interesting problems in, through writing and blogging and podcasting? Yes. All these things can be done in schools. All of them. So why don't we do that? <laughs> and if you have the luxury of being able to ask your you know, administrator, or superintendent, whatever, the, you know, could I start an innovation class? Yeah, call me. I'll help out. <laughs> and that's literally, that's what, that's, that's what I do. I mean, I, I convince superintendents and principals to make this a thing, which by the way, I still have not made it out to Australia. Wink, nudge. I've been offered three times, but it just doesn't, hasn't worked out yet financially. That's a fair part of my week is that I am in talks with superintendents and principals and things like that. So I want to help. But the other thing that we've done, and I, I hate that it's come to this, uh, although this was at the advice of both Gary and kind of Seth, but definitely Gary V., is this, Gary was like, why are you trying to convince schools when schools move at the pace of once every 10 years? You should be going after the parents that are pissed that their son or daughter doesn't have your class. You should be offering an online course of innovation and entrepreneurialism for high school students because their son doesn't live in your town. And I hate that he's right. 
because the schools that we're working with are they're great, but there's so many things that you're fighting. You're fighting a bureaucracy. You're fighting maybe a school board. You're fighting negative teacher opinions or them just being tired. But I tell you who moves a lot faster, parents that want the best for their kids. And that's what we're starting to, to get into. Matter of fact, depending on when this podcast is released, we're about ready to unroll our kind of a home course for innovation and entrepreneurship. Just, so an, just because that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. And honestly, a community because the people that the community is belonging to. Well, heck, you've seen my podcast. The people that we're already connected with is pretty amazing. So, yeah, starting a community around that and then also being kind of a source to help one another uh, because uh, parents, the parents that know what's coming in the next 10 years are concerned. And so they don't want to wait around for school to change. Their son is a sophomore or a junior. And they want things now. So we're, we're working with those groups too. Well, I can see that that's an innovative way and definitely evolving with the, the generations. But I, what you talked about there earlier with accountability groups, you'll get all that online. What you talked about there with your network, it is astounding some of the guests that you have on your podcast that you have in your classroom. It's phenomenal. Some of the people that I've just read all their books, listen to their podcasts, like Gary V, like uh, Tim Ferriss, for the, the fact that you get them involved. So to bring that into the online community and back to what you were talking about earlier in the way that you as a teacher ensure that the students get the best learning environment, one of the things that I think you teach really well is exposing them to failure and you know them actually experiencing that failure is a good thing as opposed to in the structured systems when if they fail a test that's like the end of their world or you know if they fail a test it it is in their mind true failure yeah that's one of the reasons why we put so much of a premium on the reflection process you know some of the like every project we have is 2 weeks and by that i mean if you start something amazing at the end of 2 weeks you tell me whether you want to go on or not so as we always have a circuit breaker. So, so if a kid says, hey, I'm going to build this app. And I'm like, okay, you've never built an app before. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay. In the next two weeks, what do you plan on doing? So if they all of a sudden realize that they hate coding apps, they were going to BS their way for the next two months telling me that they were building an app. But they weren't. I'd rather them admit it now that they hate it or that it doesn't work or whatever, and then them not being ashamed that it didn't work out. You know, I, I mean, you've seen fitness crazes go in and out. You know, try out this new super special workout. Well, if it doesn't work for you, admit it and move on. And um, I don't want them to hide from me. I want them to, or even when things do fail, like they're trying hard and it like just doesn't work. What did you learn from it? What are you going to do next time? Um. Because the person that is not afraid to go to the middle of the dance floor and make a fool of themselves, they're winning and they're learning from the mistakes and they're, you know, and they're moving forward. So, yeah, the more I can get them to embrace that, you know, I know this is Silicon Valley buzzword stuff, but, you know, find that pivot. The faster they can do that, the better. Now, I've been that person in the middle of the dance floor that uh, I wouldn't really say that I have. I would definitely connect failure with me in the middle of the dance floor, but one thing that I want to know from you, Don, is what does this all truly mean to you? Like, is it your job? Is it your purpose? If I sat you down and said, what emotions oh, or yeah. experiences do you aspire to have every day through your leadership in this directive? What is it that deep down 
truly drives you? Well, one, what truly drives me, honestly, is is my family, and they give me this opportunity to take these weird kind of risks and and provide that safety. But honestly, what drives me is that I look at myself in the mirror and say, am I providing a future for my students? Am I preparing them for a future? And when I first started this class, well, actually, the whole thing got started off. I watched Daniel Pink's TED Talk. Like literally the origins of this class where I watched his TED talk and he talked about what motivates people and it sounded eerily like what we thought about business, we thought about school and I thought, what if I had this wacky class? And the more I do this, the more years I'm into this class, the more I realize what I'm doing is correct. Even though the world is, actually education is starting to catch up to it. Like all of a sudden 20% time and genius hour are kind of a thing now. Seven years ago, it was not. So what drives me is, is like, A, I guess one, I'm competitive and chippy and like, see, I was right. (laughs) And two, is just the fact that I want to see, like my students are almost right up there with my own children. Like I love my students and I want to see them successful. And, and at the same time, I, I believe like, and I don't believe that everybody can or should be an entrepreneur, but I want them to think like it. Because I do not want to tell my kids that I'm preparing you for a good job. There's nothing wrong with a good job. But what I've, effect- what I've effectively told the kids is, I hope you make somebody else's dream come true. I hope you work really hard for somebody else. And if they want to get a good job, I appreciate that. But for right now, I'm going to make, I want them to make themselves feel like they're working for themselves and they're making themselves better. Not so they can get that super cool job and not have to worry about anything. I want them to make that difference. And that, that really drives me. I love it. You've just oozed that passion that I've heard come from your voice so often. But what's you've mentioned a couple of things that what you see in the future, but what are your big visions? What are your big audacious goals that you're striving through through these innovation classes? Honestly, informing the public. Informing the public that, well, I, convincing colleges to change a little bit. I mean, we still think that the gold standard is study you know, like really hard in high school, get a good SAT score, and you too will go to that college of choice and everything will magically work out. Well, it's not. And so one of the big hurdles is, is trying to convince parents and colleges that they need to reform as well. They need to open the, up their eyes that, you know, some of the majors we still offer in this country where there is guaranteed no jobs and yet we're still charging $30,000, that's not fair. And if I'm going to, in a high school, make my students do things that are absolutely irrelevant now and, and setting them up for failure, that's child abuse. It just is. So, and, no, and the thing is, no other place looks like that in the world. Like, you wouldn't go to somewhere and, and them say, you know, oh, hey, how do you get to the grocery store? And you pull out your phone and you pull up maps, like Google Maps, and no one would say, oh, that's cheating, you're using your tool to get me to the grocery store. Like I'm using my phone, but in school, oh, that's cheating. So I, I, I want more people to be awakened to the fact that the world is rapidly, rapidly changing. And if we don't do something fast, the next generation is going to pay the price because we had these you know, hard and fast rules of what education is. How your daughter, Ava, that I've met, so she will be going to university soon, I guess. I'm not sure exactly how old she is, but what's your thoughts around that? That 
Uh, so if my wife were here right now, um, <laughs> she has a really high GPA and she's not sure whether she wants to go or not. And, and here's what I've told her. So, you know, this is like, I give the same advice to that I do my own children. Right. And so if a student of mine says, I want to go to medical school, absolutely go. They go. If you want to cut me open, you got to go to college. If you want to do advanced engineering, you got to go to college. If somebody says, I want to be a writer, if you have a full scholarship or a severely discounted, absolutely. But if you want to be a writer, what do you need? An audience. Build it now. Build it in high school. Like I, I, know, I know YouTube personalities that are under 16 because they're doing. And, then, and of course, then you get kids that think that they're going to be YouTube personalities overnight. But if you're just going to go to college to hopefully find something and you really don't know, but you're just going to take classes, that, that is a lot of money. To me, it's worth the risk to not go and find out what you could do. It is worth the time to build your own personal brand now before you start spending that kind of money. So with my own children, I don't know. I mean, if Ava wants to go into the medical, she'll go to college. If she's interested in engineering, she'll go to college. If she's interested in, like, I think she might be with entrepreneurialism, I don't know. Now, if she has a full ride, great. I mean, college is fun. College is fun. But I went in a time where I could afford it. <laughs> yeah, lots changed since then. I was just thinking, actually, when you were talking about that, how instead of Tim Ferriss doing his MBA, he actually spent that $100,000 and, you know, did a lot of, it did his, what he said, his own university degree and he was his own guinea pig and tried a lot of different things and exposed himself to the world in a realistic type way. So maybe that's an option for Ava. <laughs> I'm not saying you've got to give her a hundred grand and say, good luck. <laughs> no, but I think that I'd actually feel better about that. Like I, I would, I, I would feel much better me giving her, well, okay, if she were to, and I'm just saying this is all theoretical for right now, Ava, I'm sure will be listening to this podcast, but if she said, here's my plan for the next two years, I need the following startup costs, I need the following travel budget, and I'm going to accomplish A, B, C, and D. If I don't accomplish it, I owe you back. If I do accomplish it, I'm going to ask for another two-year scholarship, and I'd do that. Damn, that's actually a freaking great idea, Brett. Right there. No, <laughs> I love that we've unpacked that. That's pretty, on, on top of that, this might help uh, help you move with that. A former guest on this podcast, Don Elgin, he was on episode number 10. He just posted on Facebook uh, a few days ago that earlier in the year he asked his daughter, Jordan, what she wanted for her 16th birthday, which was coming up. And he said, do you want a party or do you want a surprise? And she thought about it and she decided that she wanted a surprise. And Don's a very creative, very funny guy. It was a very great episode I had with him. And he, so what he did, he said that his daughter, Jordan, had been talking about for a while having a job in travel when she finishes school. And so a month after he'd asked her this question what she wanted, he gave her some homework and got her to write a travel itinerary for two people to go to, uh, to go away for four days. And he decided to go to, to base it on Phuket uh, and to plan out the whole trip there, like what, who you'd fly with, where you'd stay, uh, the itineraries of what they do each day and things like that and uh, he then he posted in this Facebook post that it was her birthday and for her surprise because she didn't want to party for her surprise 
he and his wife gave Jordan back the itinerary that she had created and they told her that this was her surprise. The itinerary that she created was her surprise and they were going to see how good she was at being a travel agent and they took her uh, the day, I think it was the day after, a couple of days after her birthday or maybe it was on her actual birthday, they took her to Thailand using the itinerary that she'd created. That's a really great plan actually, I love it. (laughs) Now Don, I'm all about action and we all know that you are. We've heard it in your passionate voice and I ask all my guests this question uh, and I want to know what specific advice you have for what our action our listeners can take today to become more impactful in their lives and in their communities. Wow. I'm almost going to treat this like I do with my class in that do the things that you say that you're going to do, except today, like as soon as you log off this podcast, you know, you're listening to Brett's podcast. That's great. So that thing that you were going to write, start right now. That thing that you were going to paint, start right now. That exercise regimen, you were going to lace up the shoes. And then find somebody to hold you accountable. Or find somebody that will take the journey with you. Because if you don't, it'll just be a dream. It'll just be a goal. And those goals are worthless unless there's some accountability. Once you start doing that... And here's the fun part, Brett. And I think this is why you and I have have become friends. You'll start seeing life from a different perspective and you'll start attracting the people. Misery loves company. There is a large group out there that they just get together to talk about what's wrong, how life sucks, how everybody's terrible. Me, I'm not concerned. I'm out there trying to do what I think is best. I'm trying out there to empower other people. And I don't want to get my friends and my students wrapped up in that whole, oh, everything is terrible. No, life's great. Go out there and seize it. And I think that if you start doing those things and start getting into those communities, life will be a lot different. Brilliant. Don't be a gunner, be a doer. I love it. Now, before we dive into the final question, Giving is one of my top core values and I give all my guests something in every episode for giving their time and value. So, Don, for you giving your time and value, uh, I have a gift for you. I don't think you've actually received it yet, but I we've spoken about Ava a bit and I connected with her and I've asked her to get you one of your favorite treats. And I've said it's got to be a healthy treat because I know you're on a bit of a health kick at the moment and on the podcast, one of our top core <laughs> values is optimal and holistic health. So, I don't think you've received it yet, but when you do, you'll know that it's coming from Brett Robbo to say a massive thank you for your time on uh, your life of impact. And I'll tell, I'll put it in the outro so the listeners can hear what you are actually getting, but I don't want to give it away as the surprise just yet. But apparently, it's <laughs> one of your favorite uh, healthy ish treats. Okay. And if Ava's a part of it, I'm sure she's gently encouraging me. Yeah, yeah. Living with a bunch, like seriously, Brett, my I have family, my wife looks 20 years younger than me, sadly, and uh, everybody's really fit. I'm sure this is partly Ava's doing as well. Um, she'll be enjoying it as much as I will be. That's great. Now, I've got a two-part question. Where can our listeners learn more about you? So social media, website, your podcast, and how can I sure. and the listeners help you on your journey? So where I'm probably most prolific is, is Twitter, at Don Wetrick. That's D-O-N-W-E-T-T-R-I-C-K. Pretty active there. 
there. LinkedIn, of course, uh, the Facebook, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, you'll see a lot of pictures of my family and all that good stuff, but the Facebook page of Start It Up. So it's facebook.com slash start ed up, all one word. The podcast is kind of the hub as well. So you can go find that on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else. The website though is where it's going to be interesting, especially in the coming weeks. So if you're a parent and you think, boy, my son or daughter needs this, startedupinnovation.com. That's startedupinnovation.com. Com. And yeah, we're going to start building the community from there. And uh, how can you help, man? You know, you can, heart, you can help by helping yourself first. You know, back to your other question of what can we do to get started? You can get started. But if you have a particular passion to want to help education, I'll, I'll hand you a shovel and we can start digging together for sure. And I'll link all those up in the show notes so people can put their shovel on their shoulder and head towards Dawn Online and help you start digging that. <laughs> So I would normally do the fast five questions here, but Don, I'm actually changing the format and you're the first guest I've ever had on that I'll ask this question to. So this is a bit Sweet. of a special special moment that we're sharing right now. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. And actually, I believe that this matches really well with your line of leadership and teaching and a valuable tool that you teach your students around the power of questions. So the question is, if you could ask... Just one question to any mentor of yours in the world, who would it be and what would you ask? And this doesn't have to be an existing mentor, so it can be a previous one that you wished you'd asked a question to, or it could be a world influencer that you that you would love to have as a personal mentor. I wow. I mean, I, I'm this is hard either going practical or philosophical. Um, I will go philosophical and I would like to ask uh, I'll go with the Buddha. H- how do you get people to understand enlightenment? How do you wake people up to understand their cause? So th- that's probably that's probably more philosophical than everything we've talked about today. But that's who I'd want to ask. It makes sense to me. It underlines everything that we're talking about. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sh- provide that enlightenment to actually help people live the best lives that they can, prepare for their future. That's awesome. Don, you're a legend. You're a very passionate leader with an insatiable drive to help make this world a better place. Keep shining your innovative light to the world, my man. I appreciate it, Brett. And right back at you. I love what you're doing. I love who you work with. I love what you represent. And even your crazy, uh, I'm going to dive into a cold lake in November kind of thing that, or October. Uh, (laughs) I, I love it. And I love that you're just documenting your journey, even when you're, you know, not, not at home and you're, you're inspiring people to, to live a healthy life and to, you know, start thinking for themselves as well. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. That's my way of being innovative. Or inspiring me to dive into a cold, cold lake. Seriously, I was jealous. I'm like, okay, that looks both painful and awesome at the same time. So you're inspiring me from afar, Brett. Maybe I should have given that to you as your gift instead of the healthy treat. We could have got you <laughs> a, a voucher into the plunge pools. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cold bath, that's for sure. (laughs) Thanks again. I'll let you get back to class. I know you're at school and you've got some students to go and innovate. So thank you, Don. Yeah, lunch period's about over, so appreciate it. Well, interesting. Has this changed your perspective a bit? I love getting guests on like this that make us either ask questions of ourselves or questions of our environments or our belief systems or, in this case, the education systems. 
When I asked Don about his views on developing the students as holistic humans and not just students, and our chat around emotional intelligence, or EQ, I was actually wanting to elaborate more, but we moved on a bit. But my thoughts here had stemmed from my recent chat with performance coach Gregor Schill on episode 33, when I asked him about his thoughts on teaching mental training to younger people, and his response just hit me in a deep way when he said, I believe if we could teach this to kids, it could change the world. So my question to you guys as listeners is, what's your thoughts on what innovative ways we can help prepare our kids for the future? Actually, I'm also really intrigued to hear from all parents and also teachers that are listening, actually from everyone, but especially parents and teachers. One, what your thoughts are on this innovation class model, and two, If you're a frequent listener of the podcast and you understand me coaching the mindset and mental training, and if you've listened to that episode 33 with Gregor Schill, if you're a parent or a teacher, actually everyone once again, how do you feel about these powerful human behavior and human development skills that enhance people's emotional intelligence and prepare them for the real world? How do you feel about them becoming a part of your child's or your student's education? Actually, here's how we're going to do this. Jump onto Facebook. I think everyone in the world has Facebook. Oh, actually, that's a lie. I just learned recently that a lot of the younger generations don't. So if you don't, if you're a younger generation and you don't, jump onto us oldies uh, Facebook and all your parents and, and get amongst this. Anyway, I'm going to create a hashtag called hashtag uh, what am I going to call it? Hashtag innovate your life of impact. Yes, I know it's a bloody long one, but stay with me. And I'll link it in the show notes too. I haven't done anything with it yet. This is just coming to me now as I say it. But I'll either create a group on my at Life for Excellence page or I'll put up a post on that page. And all you need to do is go into your Facebook and type in the hashtag, hashtag innovate your life of impact. And I'll start something there. Well, let's. All I want to do is start a discussion on what I just mentioned. So tell me your thoughts on preparing kids for the future by implementing innovative classes into their curriculum or doing the online stuff. And also what your thoughts are on the EQ and mental training aspects to enhance their optimal best selves. Should I be creating these mental training classes online? You tell me, man, I wish I had learned all this at school. If you like this episode, please jump onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review. This helps immensely for me to be able to continue delivering value to you. It doesn't matter what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes Podcast, whether it's Podcast Addict or Stitcher or whatever it is. You guys subscribing and downloading each episode is what keeps this podcast alive. And also, please share with your friends, your family, your community, and everyone you believe will benefit from this podcast. Don't forget to give me your feedback on what you loved and what you want to hear more of, so what value I can help bring into your reality. Reach out to us on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Life for Excellence. That's at L-I-F-E. F-O-R-X-L-N-S. And you can also find us at yourlifeofimpact.com. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, 
your life of impact.